Hey, Lab Rats. This is Kendra. This is Jessica. And you're listening to Lucid, Lucid Lab. Lab. I'm sick. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you are. She's sniffling over there. Hopefully it doesn't come through in the recording today. I know. So it's it's been a week. I feel like I always say that. Yeah, you're, like, you've had some rough me. times. I know Whoa you're always me. the one with and I'm like, oh, I went and did fun things <laughs> while you sat in bed sick. I, <laughs> I don't know. It just always ends up that way by the time we get here. Yeah, but it does. <laughs> yeah, you did do some fun things. Fortunately, my voice is still OK today because I went to karaoke last night. Yeah, I was hey. supposed to go. You were, but you were sick. Yeah. <laughs> The problem is when you're at karaoke, it's very loud in there. So even when you're not singing, you're basically yelling Talking just to talk. Really uh, yeah. yeah. But I woke up first this morning and coughed a little and I was like, "Uh oh, we have to record today. I hope I have a voice. But it sounds OK right now. No, yeah, you do. But if it goes out, that's why. Because then it's I both was, of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was belting really cheesy songs at karaoke last uh, night. So yeah, that's why. She texted me that and I was like, oh, wait till you hear me. <laughs> well, we missed you because we sang Natalie and Brulia Torn. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh. <laughs> and I thought of you because oh, that, that was oh. the one you said was stuck in your car. It is. Yeah. For a while. <laughs> we actually got in trouble because we all put our names on karaoke and we kept going up as groups and it was my turn to go and it was under my name and I took my two friends up with me and the guy's like, no more groups. And I was like, that's okay. We're leaving after this anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we were, we were the crowd favorite though, because of course we were, you know, having fun and we yeah. wore like wigs and feather boas and all that. When we went oh, up you, there, we owned it. Oh, is this that place where they do like theme nights? Was it a th- theme or were you just it wasn't a theme fun? but they had I didn't props. receive the boa, boa memo no they the have props messages. there so when you go oh. up on the stage you can put on whatever they have oh. and it makes it fun but everybody else a lot of people go to karaoke and they take it very seriously like yeah. they want to sound good it's like their extra hobby for the week yeah they're like trying to get on American Idol or something yeah. like that I but then do they not. forgot that they drunk <laughs> but then they forgot that they they're drank drunk something <laughs> and then they get up there and they're Oh my God, there were some butchered <laughs> songs last night for uh, sure. I funny. also got to play pool for the first time in probably like 10 years. Yeah. I did not do well, but <laughs> it was fun. I It made you me remember. Me. That's I needed a good partner. Yeah. I was playing against Drew, my boyfriend, and he gave me no mercy. Oh. Yeah. He like ran the table then. on me. He was playing and one of his friends was there as well. And then there was just a stranger dude watching us play. And then he came over and asked Drew to play him because oh. he, he knew who the good person in the group was. Yeah. And then they played. And that was like real competitive. Did he put a quarter down? No. Oh, he just came and asked. Yes. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, you want to play? And Drew's like, sure. Cool. So He's like, yeah, I don't want to play my girlfriend anymore. This is too easy. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. I, I was like at the end, he's like, well, you should finish it out. And I was like, no, why don't you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got six balls there. You can finish that out, buddy. Oh, yeah. We'll have to all go play sometime. It would be, be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. It's been forever for me, too. But it's one of those things where I feel like I just kind of pick it up. It'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. My worst like fear is... For playing for the first time and like not breaking the balls <laughs> like missing <laughs> yeah I did not try to break because oh, okay. I was the same way I'm like I haven't done this in 10 years I don't need to make a fool of myself right off the I, get-go I used to play every single day for hours on end and so that would be pretty shameful <laughs> <laughs> other than being sick what have you been up to this week well my daughter was sick first did I mention that last I think you did. She was homesick. Yeah. So she's still kind of sick. And I ended up with 
a migraine all day and that went into the next day then later in the day it turned into this and so i've just all of it at once the nose just won't stop this will be a fun one i really wish i didn't have to record in this voice today because this is an important episode for me but it is some other important things for me this week is i found somewhere to move and that's been an important thing in me and my daughter's life. I won't go into details or anything, but it's it's a huge step. And and so, yeah, that's going to be happening soon. Yeah. Moving so, is it's exciting and stressful at the same time. It's highly stressful, especially since you've lived where you have for, for like 12 so years long. Yeah, right? you're going to have a lot. But I welcome moving because it does give you the chance to purge. I mean, I mean, I'm excited to purge, but at the same time, I'm not really being given the time to purge yeah you have to move so so quick so we'll see what happens with that but yeah it's a new start and and we're moving our podcast studio and we're moving our podcast there's a lot of changes a lot of going on on. and then like quickly like none of this was planned planned no like I wasn't planning to move until like later in this year and it just ended up happening the way it happened so yeah and we were planning to stay in this podcast studio forever yeah (laughs) an opportunity came up and yeah you know we're gonna move I know literally after this recording we are packing up our stuff yeah and we'll be heading to a new venue so if we sound different on upcoming episodes it's because our space has changed a little bit but we'll we'll try and figure it out hopefully you don't notice a difference yeah hopefully not So what are we doing today? So today is a little bit different. Today, we are doing our first lab reports, but not in the way that you and I had pictured doing our first lab reports. So we have had some of you write in. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I don't think you understand. Okay, let me take a moment to just gush a little bit because I don't think we've really talked about this. We've had people write in and tell us that they love us. And we love that. (laughs) And like when we got our first one, we were like, I was like, oh my gosh, like this isn't even family. When we got our first review, I was like, this isn't family. This isn't friends. These are people who are just listening to us. We don't know who they are. So that's been really, really amazing. So It's been really inspiring for us and keeping us going. Especially on certain days, I'm just like, wow, thank you. You're now my inspiration. And now I get to have a little bit more energy to get through this day. And I honestly wanted to talk about a little bit of where our listeners are from because that's exciting to yes. see. They're from all over, like which was really interesting. Like I don't know what we were expecting when we started this podcast, like where our listeners would come from. But I thought that they were all going to come from Colorado and New Mexico. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been Connecticut's like our number two. It is Colorado's our number one state. It changes though. So Colorado's definitely number one. And I think that's because we live here. And we our know friends a lot of and people. family. Yeah. Connecticut is number two. Which we don't, we know, don't anyone. know anyone in Connecticut. <laughs> so if you're a Connecticut listener, write us. We want to hear. <laughs> I'm like, who's over there? And it's a lot. Yes. And then New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we have Tennessee. And I don't know anyone don't in know Tennessee. don't know anyone there either. We have Georgia. And I do know one person in Georgia, but not personally. So that's the only person I've started to think about. So if it's you, I know you from TikTok. And if it is you, write me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have Texas, Florida, California, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, Ohio, Virginia, Louisiana, Michigan, Utah, Idaho, Illinois, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Woo-woo. which you mentioned in the first Yeah, I haven't episode, been there yet. And Wisconsin. And then we also have some UK listeners, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and Germany, then, I think. And Sweden. 
Yeah. Yes. And Latvia and somewhere else. I think. Let me see. Or is it Latvia? Latvia. Oh, yeah. We have Poland, Switzerland, Italy and Latvia. It's just been really cool because I'm like, but what's really weird is we don't have anybody in Canada and Australia yet. And I'm like, our two like English speaking other than the UK countries yeah. is interesting. They'll come along. Where are you? Join us. You're our friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Like yes. we're paying attention. We are. And we're kind of fans of our own page. We like look too many times. A I look day. way too many times a day. Like you said, it's exciting and it's inspiring for yes. us, especially when we're having rough moments with our personal lives. It's like, <laughs> oh, let's see how many people listen today and where they're from and, and that. And then something you guys don't know, we have names for all of you. So like when we get a new, a brand new listener yes. to episode one, we always text each other and we're like, we got a new lucid a new dreamer. Lucid dreamer. <laughs> so yeah. All of you that start new, that's what we call you to each other. <laughs> lucid dreamers. Because that means that it's brand you're new and new, you're starting yeah. from the beginning. So yeah, that's really cool to see. We so, are very, very you. happy with the progress and we'll give you more updates as we know more. Yes. And, and keep writing us in. Uh, we will do our next lab reports for July will include listener stories. Yeah. So the reason why this one's a little bit different we kind of had to make a decision here and that's because it's a real case and it's ongoing and it is from their account. So it is a type a listener, of listener yeah. story, but it's not necessarily in the same way that our listener stories will happen moving forward. But this is a really important one. Yes, we feel deeply connected to this yes. story. And honestly, we could end up doing more stories like this in the future. If, yes. If families reach out, um, we would love to be a a source. A source. To push your story yeah, out. exactly. And because help advocate for you. We obviously are deeply interested in true crime and especially when something happens where the police aren't following procedure and victim's family is not getting what they should. And that's kind of where we're going today. Yeah. And I think if you haven't noticed so far, like Kendra and I, we have big hearts. Yeah. And I think that we we're pretty logical in the way that we think. And I just think we're good people to help tell these stories. So today on our first ever lab reports, we are going to be talking about the case of Michaela Jones. This is on the Internet now under justice for Michaela. So a little bit of information into how we came to be a part of this. I was watching a video of a pretty young girl. She was doing a little TikTok dance, but it had one of those sad songs on top of it you know yeah a lot of tiktoks do this and i saw that she was no longer with us and you know i was sad i didn't really know why other than the obvious but i sat there for a while just re-watching this video over and over again that's when i read the caption justice for michaela jones okay and it had the hashtag 18 forever and i'm like oh, oh man. man she's gone yeah. And so I went to the page and I watched more videos and j there was just something about Michaela that got under my skin. I imagine being her age and, you know, life stopping then. And I just got really overwhelmed. And I was on one of the videos and started to read the comments and saw several people suggesting that the account owner reach out to podcasts to tell her story. Mm -hmm. At the time, you and I were still in the planning stage. Like we hadn't even recorded our first episode yet, I don't yeah. think. Uh, I think we might have done one. So right. when I read that, I honestly didn't even think about us. <laughs> like we are not like, a I'm podcast not even yet. yet. <laughs> but then it hit me. We can tell her story. Granted, this was like at 1230 in the morning. <laughs> I tried to message 
justice for Michaela Jones, it wasn't accepting any messages. You know, I thought about commenting, but I knew that my comment would never be seen because there were so many that I'm right. I didn't see how anybody was going to come and find it. Yeah. (laughs) So I just moved on. I let it go. But then I started to look at more of her videos and I came across two videos of Michaela and only one person had commented. And the comments led me to believe that this person was close to Michaela. Okay. So I reached out to her. It ended up being Michaela's best friend, Jade Conway. I felt an immediate comfort in reaching out to her because my niece's name is Jade. Oh, okay. And I just I just took that as a sign. It's okay, mm-hmm. like reach out to her. And thankfully Jade responded and yeah. I got in touch with Michaela's mother, Stacy. Right. It was a shot in the dark. Right. <laughs> you know, we're brand new. And what's funny about that is I didn't even consult with you first. <laughs> no. <laughs> Our podcast was about stories that we research and comment on, not ongoing cases and not ones where we involve ourselves. I wasn't sure what you would think, but I made an executive decision and we went for it. Yep. And I'm glad we did because we're honored to be a part of the fight for Michaela. We are. And we've uncovered so much in our time preparing for this that honestly, we're flabbergasted at the depths of corruption can go. Yeah. And it took us beyond Michaela and then some. Mm -hmm. So over the last month and a half or so, we've been stewing on this case a bit. We wanted to approach this in a different way. We're a new podcast. We don't have a huge following yet. But as I told Stacy, someday we will. And what we can provide is a lasting place for Michaela. Our episodes will be up, well, technically forever. forever. <laughs> and a TikTok video can only go so far. And with podcasts, if, if someone likes you, new listeners will go back to the beginning and start the entire journey with you. And every time someone comes upon this episode, that is another ear to hear the injustice of her case in this town and neighboring towns. And hopefully someday, collectively with other sources, putting this story out there as well, Justice will be served in multiple ways. So before we get into Michaela's life and her story, I just want to thank you, Kendra, (laughs) because you really stepped up to help bring this together. It was my project to begin with. Life has been a roller coaster for me, and I am a superwoman, and I know that, and I'm saying it (laughs) strong and proud, (laughs) but you recognize when I was a little over my head with three jobs and my younger daughter and illnesses and looking for a new place and working till three, sometimes five in the morning, only to get up a couple hours later. And you stepped in without a complaint and said, I'm going to lead this one and do a deep dive. And you did. And I'm grateful. Yeah. That's what we're here for. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it was really weighing on my shoulders, on my soul, that we haven't been able to put her story out yet. That's why she's taking first place in our first listener story. As she should. As she should. So... Let's go into it. Yeah. We got most of our information. We actually have talked with Stacy. So Michaela's mom has been gracious with her time and really going over everything with us. And so I just want to first shout out to Stacy and say thank you for allowing us to bring your daughter's story to everyone and for talking about these very painful things. I can't imagine like I look at Michaela, I looked at her birthday and it's the same as my oldest child, Um, not the same birthday, but same time frame. So like they graduated from high school the same year, all of Mm -hmm. those things. And it's like, this could be my child. And that's how I approached this. And I know that you do too, uh, Jessica, because yeah, this is like a parent's worst nightmare. And Stacy's living through that. And she's not getting the help that she needs to really understand what happened. She's not. Let me just say something about Stacy. She is a true mom. There hasn't been a moment when she hasn't said, yes, let me talk to you. Yes, let me answer this. Yes, yes, yes. 
And any chance that she can talk about her daughter and put the word out there, she's making her time for it. And this is now two years later. It was the two-year anniversary of Michaela's death just recently. She is just constantly available because she wants justice for her daughter. And to keep fighting and to have to keep, it kind of reminds, this isn't at all a great comparison, but it reminds me of someone who's sick and is at the doctor and consistently having to advocate with multiple specialists. And that's how it kind of feels in her approach for this. Her passion is even so much greater than what someone can do to fight for themselves. Right. So because Michaela still has brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that are still here and she has to be strong for them too and carry on living and she's never lost she's never put Michaela in the background she's been in the forefront this entire time still she's proven that with every conversation that we've had and how she continues to keep up these pages and how she continues to advocate on shows and and advocate and even get together with other people with similar situations We're going to go into the details about Michaela's case today. We'll also bring up some other children in the area that had suspicious circumstances. And what you'll see, I hope, at the end of this is that there's a lot of questions coming out of these couple of counties in Missouri. So this takes place in Missouri, Washington County and Madison County. Yep. So I want to start with what has been put out there, high level, and then we'll go into more details. So Michaela Jones was a beautiful 18-year-old girl. Gorgeous. She had a lot going for her. She was described by her mom as like she was the mama bear of her three other siblings. Yep. She had one older brother and she has one younger sister and one younger brother. And they were very tight household. She was 18, but she still lived at home with her mom. And Stacy and Michaela had a very tight bond. They talked every single day. She gave Michaela space because she was 18. But she said there wasn't a day that they didn't go without talking. Mm -hmm. Even if her daughter was, you know, out with friends or whatever, she would text her mom. This wasn't like an out of control 18 year old that her mom never saw because that's how the news may have portrayed her. So We want to make sure everybody understands what was put out there is not the correct depiction of who Michaela was. So when this case came out in May of 2021, it started as a missing persons report. And then it unfortunately ended up in a recovery Mm -hmm. of her body. When her body was recovered, it was quickly determined that she had died from a voluntary drug overdose. And that was the news story that went out to the world. And then it just seemed like it stopped. Like they didn't talk about Michaela anymore. She was kind of just written off as another druggie, honestly. Yeah. That is not. That is not. At all the case. And that's what we want to go into and talk about and about other children in that area that have been written off in similar ways. Yep. And so that's why there is this Justice for Michaela Facebook and TikTok group out there. What her mom wants is to get to the bottom of what really happened to her daughter. It was not an accidental drug overdose. There is something else. There are some evil things at play here. And that's what we want to get into now. Before we get into that, I want to honor Michaela and make sure everyone knows who this girl is because she is not how she was depicted as Uh, an addict, a drug addict in any way. Not even close. No. So I want to talk about her mom's description. And this also comes from her siblings and her family. So here's how the family describes Michaela. She was a very vibrant young girl. 
She was bubbly. She was the light in the room whenever she would come in. She had an infectious smile. We will have pictures, of course, so everyone can see see her. You could just feel the positive energy coming from this girl. She radiated that. Like I said before, she was like the mama bear. Stacy told us a story about like her helping her little sister was having like a birthday party or a slumber party or something. She was helping her set up and get ready for all of her friends to come over. Like she was a very caring 18 year old. She also worked at her grandparents in home daycare. And she basically did this out of the kindness of of her heart because she liked children. And, you know, Stacey even said a couple of the children there were autistic and Michaela had that just patience with them. And she was just a very sweet soul that wanted to work with children. She had dreams of becoming a nurse. Her mom, Stacey, is actually a nurse as well. Yeah, she works real hard. Yeah, she does. And she talked about like, Michaela was going to go to nursing school and they talked about it would be really cool that they would work at the same hospital together and hopefully be on the same floor. And once again, speaking to the mother daughter bond that they had, it sounds like Michaela and Stacy had that kind of mother daughter relationship where they talked about anything and everything, probably not everything because it's still mom daughter (laughs) and it's still teenager (laughs) and she's still a teenager. So she, she was a typical sweet, teenage girl. She was a good student. She had just graduated. She was doing her prerequisites for nursing. She, like any 18 year old, would go and hang out with friends and probably drink, maybe smoke yeah, some weed, party a little you know, bit. like nothing crazy. She but was she not was, taking hard drugs, which she, is what yeah. they she put out there. She was vibrant about life. She was yeah. just like, wow, I'm 18. I graduated. Now it's time to live a little. Exactly. And she was on top of it, though. She was responsible still like yeah she was about to start a new job yeah the following week of when this happened uh she was scheduled to start a new job at the pool because it was coming into summertime and she was going to do that to you know raise money for the summer before she started school for nursing this is who she was there was all these cute tiktok videos you know she's the cute little girl that likes to do tiktok you know funny videos dancing um also just goofing around with her friends those kinds of things. So there is nothing in her history that would ever make you think that she would end up where she did, even though the news and the cops portrayed her as like a troubled child with a drug habit, not Michaela, not according to her friends and family. And yes, I know you hide things from your family when you're 18, but they would have seen signs because they were so close. She I'm lived sorry, in the house. but you would. She yeah. lived in the house. You would know. Exactly. She wouldn't be texting her mom all the time. They wouldn't be hanging out. She would even go to all of her siblings' track meets yes, and all of their sporting events. Sporting like, events, yep. She had an older brother who was expecting a child when she passed away. So she was excited about becoming an aunt. Like she was very family oriented. Just this wasn't a troubled girl from a troubled family or anything like that. They had a very solid family unit. And I want to pass it over now to Jessica because we also want to give the perspective from her closest friends. Yeah. So I've had the pleasure of talking to Jade, her best friend. It's been really neat to have that kind of close conversation, too, with someone who was her age and really close to her and just have a different perspective. You know, we always love the mom's perspective, but sometimes friends know a little bit more. Right. And so I did a little mini interview with Jade and I just asked her really basic questions because Uh sometimes it's those basic questions that can really tell you who a person is. So I asked her how they met Mm -hmm. and she said, I met Michaela in middle school. We played volleyball together. And had the same best friend, Jaylene, 
we would all fight over whose best friend was who until we became a trio. <laughs> I was that in a lot of trios. Was, yeah, girls yeah. always end up in threes for right, some reason. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know why. In volleyball, her and Michaela would get into trouble because they would skip practice to oh. go get ice cream and sneak around and have Typical. fun while yep. their parents thought that they were at practice. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped too. I, I was a 4.0 student, so skipping means nothing I to was me. top 10% <laughs> and I skipped to go to Taco Bell and got in big trouble one time. I left all the time. That's normal. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked her what are some of her favorite things and she said that Michaela loved the color yellow. Well, which is a good with color. Her personality. It does. Yeah. And she loved to sing at the top of her lungs with her friends and she loved listening to rap music and was still always down to scream to a Taylor Swift song which Hell I thought yeah. you'd like. You're a big Swifty. <laughs> I am a Swifty. I really respect her but I don't know all of her songs. I I've never dug into it. Yeah. She loved being with her friends, whether it was laying in bed talking all day or going out and being spontaneous. I asked her what their favorite things were to do together. Uh And she said, for us, as long as we were together, that was all that mattered. Mm. We were inseparable. We did love to drive around, listening to music, swim, stay up way too late, sneak out and go to parties, meet new people and see where the night would take us and spend the next morning recapping everything that had happened and laughing all day. No, sounds like me and my bestie. Exactly. High school, college years. I mean, I snuck out all the time. Oh, me too. And my mom knows now, so I can say that. I I don't know if my my mom everything. I don't know if my parents know. I mean, obviously they know now, but yeah, I used to sneak out as well. My mom, my mom found out the first time when in the morning I didn't have a ride home (laughs) and I had to call her. I'm like, well, I'm not home. I don't know if you checked my room yet. I'm all the way over here. I don't think I ever got caught. That's oh, why really? my parents don't know. My parents were very heavy sleepers. So I would go right out the front door. Really? I yeah. went out my window. I was on a second floor. So window but wasn't an option. My dad, I like sleeping with fans, but he's always had an industrial type size fan. Yeah. So it literally is like as loud as possible. I don't think they could hear anything. No. <laughs> so even though my window is older, they're sleeping. Yeah. So typical teenage stuff. And I asked her what is one of her favorite memories of her or just something that, you know, instantly comes to mind. And she said, out of all the crazy, wild, funny memories I had with her, my favorite one was when I was at home laying in bed sad Mm -hmm. and my mom came in to check on me, then walked out. And an hour later, she came back in and Michaela ran through the door with her and jumped on me and hugged me and instantly started making me laugh and made sure that I wasn't sad anymore. My mom knew the best way to make me happy and smile again, and that was Michaela. And so she went and picked her up and brought her to me as a surprise. Now that's, that's so something. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. They were like sisters, like and better than sisters because they like each other more probably. <laughs> yes. I asked her what was an interesting quirk that she had that sometimes annoyed her, but now you miss because that's all the time. Like right. even if someone's annoying you right in front of you like an hour later, you're like, why did that annoy me? Like, it's just <laughs> part of who they are. Right. And she said she would always feel the need to be on top of me. (laughs) That's such a sister thing, too, because I did that all the time. Hugging me, cuddling me, yelling in my face because she was telling me a funny story and I would yell it always. I wish is that I could still have her here to jump on top of me and annoy me. Oh, yeah. That's really, really sad. More than anything, she said Michaela loved being with her family and friends and she loved to make new memories and to be adventurous and I said how would you describe her to someone who's never met her 
She said, I would describe Michaela as funny, bubbly, adventurous. She never cared what anyone said about her. She lived her life the way she wanted to live it. She was the life of the party. She lit up every room she walked in. She was loving, kind, generous. There was nothing she wouldn't do for someone that she loved. And what she misses most about her is that she misses her contagious laugh. Their late night talks, her always being the person that she went to when she was having a bad day because she always cheered her up and she misses absolutely everything about her. She said, I've never had a best friend I was so close with and had that same connection with. She was truly one of a kind. Best friends. Wow. Yeah. She had such an impact Seriously, her family, her friends. Yeah. It's just, and I'm sorry. And I'm going to make one point. You don't typically see that with someone who is just on the edge. Right. You're right. Into the wrong things. Because and more people are going to speak up about all the bad things. Sadly. I mean, or this is just say, normal stuff. You know, she was a troubled girl. She was troubled. And, and we love her. We love but her, but we, we knew, miss her. Yeah. We knew this was coming kind of a thing. There is nothing. Nothing like that. There is nothing. And we're about to go into all the details. There's nothing in Michaela's past. We wanted to start out with painting a picture of who she was from the people who knew her closest. And I think you'll be able to tell that, honestly, just by looking at her. Yeah. You know, we never want to judge a book by its cover, but it seems pretty clear. I agree. So let's get into what happened. So I'm going to start with the story from Stacy's perspective and how it all went down. And then we'll go into official police reports, suspects, etc. So this story started on May 3rd, 2021. So that day, Michaela's younger sister had a track meet. And usually Michaela would go to that with her mom. But for whatever reason, that day she didn't want to go. It was just a normal day. Everything was fine. Michaela said she was going to hang out with her friends. And her mom said, you need to be home by your curfew. So her curfew was midnight. So Michaela had graduated a year before. She was 18 and her birthday was coming up at the end of May. So she was actually almost 19 when all of this happened. But she still lived at her mom's house Mm -hmm. and... Those were the rules beyond right. by midnight. And she followed that because she was a good daughter. Right. She did come home on May 3rd around 1130 p.m. Her mom said they talked for a while because she was like looking for Q-tips or something in the bathroom. Just a normal day. They had a conversation and they went to bed. The next day, Tuesday, May 4th, Stacy got up and was making breakfast and she went downstairs to let Michaela know that there was food and realized that Michaela was not there. You might hear me refer to Michaela sometimes as KK. That was actually yeah. her mom's nickname for her. It took me and a while to know that because I never actually asked her what she called her. But in correspondence with her mom and like text messages and stuff, I would just see KK every now and then. Yeah. And I had to take a moment and I was like, oh, that must be what she calls Michaela. That was her sweet little <laughs> exactly. name for Michaela. So I wrote some of my notes with KK just because it was quicker. So if I say KK, it's Michaela. <laughs> Stacy noticed that she was gone and she texted her and this was around seven o'clock in the morning. She texted her daughter and was like, hey, you know, I don't know where you are. Why would you sneak out? Kind of nothing like she wasn't coming at her. She was just like, hey, you don't need to sneak out. You know, I just want to know where you are. She kept texting Michaela and she didn't hear back, which was unusual. Usually her daughter would text back right away. Finally, she heard from KK around 918 that night. And it was a very odd text. It said, I don't know, mom. I was bored. Oh my goodness. I love you. 
Stacy said the oh my goodness part sounds like her daughter because her daughter said that a lot, but everything else seemed really unusual. And so Stacy responded and said, you're too bored to let me know you were all good. Yeah. You know, like, why'd you make me worry? And I have yeah, sent those is. kind of texts to my kids too. It's like, just let me know you're okay because moms worry. We just... Our head goes to worst case scenario when we don't hear from our kids. So I can totally put myself in the place of Stacy. Like if I hadn't heard from my kid exactly. all day, I would be worried too. And that is a weird message because after trying to get in touch with her, her answer is I was bored. I was bored. Yeah. Not like, sorry, mom, I got caught up. Or, yeah, there was no sorry, nor- mom, nor- or anything. Normal response. So already, yeah, as a mom, Stacy's feelers were up like, this is weird. But she responded and said, you know, you're too bored to let me know you're good. She never heard back from her daughter. That was the last thing that she got from her daughter. So Wednesday, May 5th comes. Still hasn't heard from her daughter. And she called her. She said over 250 times she called her. She never received a call back. And then she had Michaela's sister and brother start texting her as well. She called Michaela's dad because Michaela's dad and Stacy are no longer together. But she reached out to Michaela's dad and said, will you try and reach her? Right. I'm worried now. No response. She called Sprint. And they confirmed that Michaela's phone had been used on Wednesday. So she thought it was unusual, but realized that the phone was being used. Her daughter was probably okay. I've had this happen with my child, who's the same age as Michaela would have been. And they were out hiking or something. They were somewhere where there was no right. service and yeah. they didn't live with me. They were 19. It's like you you do give them grace, right? At that time. And that's kind of where Stacy was in her right, headspace. Exactly. But she was also worried. And I've been Because there. it's out of character for her. Yeah. It wasn't something she had been dealing with yet where Michaela would be like this with her. So of course it's going to raise concern. She did when calling Sprint ask for the last number that Michaela's phone had called. She found out that the phone number belonged to a girl named Briley Brackett. Briley Brackett was 24 years old at the time. This was not someone that Stacy knew. It was not a friend of Michaela's. Right. The family was known kind of in the area to be from, I guess what you'd call the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know when, but I'll give a little bit more background on Briley. This probably didn't come from Stacy. It came from other people who knew Briley because Stacy's family didn't really know her. But it was said that she was known as the local kind of druggie. Yep. Not only did she use drugs, but she was also a source to get drugs. So right. if, if you wanted something, Briley was the person to help you out. She also dated a boy named Ethan Sivy at the time, and he was also known for that in yes. his family. Heavily. So that would be concerning for a mom to find that out. It's Thursday, May 6th now. She made a Facebook post at that time asking if anyone had seen her daughter. So she just put this out to everyone and said, I haven't heard from Michaela for a couple of days. If you know anything, notify right. me. 5 a.m. on Friday, May 7th, Stacy received a call from Briley's dad. Now, Briley's dad was not like really in her life heavily. He was described as being estranged from her probably because she had drug problems right. and, yeah. and sometimes as a parent you have, you have to, to step separate. away. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably, I mean, that's a whole nother journey to deal with a child that's an addict. Yes. So I can empathize with him there, but he did call to tell Stacy that his daughter Briley had been picked up from Ethan Sivvy's house a couple of nights ago and Michaela had been at the house with her. He also said, if you're going to go out to that house, do not go alone. Yes. 
Stacy called up her ex-father-in-law, so it would be Michaela's grandfather, to go with her to this house. And it was in a town called Belgrade. It was basically in the middle of nowhere. Right. Nowhere. Right. Nowhere Michaela had been or has been known to go. No. And so Stacy described when she drove out there and they pulled up to the house, her heart just sank because the house looked like a crack house. She said that was the only way to describe it. It was a dilapidated, just scary looking place in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Right. If I found out my daughter was in a place like that and I didn't know where she was and that's the last place that she was. Yeah, yeah. You know something sh- like something scary's gone down. My daughter is not why would she be in a place like this and now no That's one knows her where thoughts, she is? right. Michaela this is not Michaela's no, crowd. Exactly. They knocked on the door and two men came out and they quickly shut the door behind them. These two men would end up being Ethan Civy. He was twenty four years old and he was Briley Brackett's boyfriend that I yeah. mentioned earlier. And Andrew Pierce, who was thirty four years old. Which she's eighteen. She was eighteen, and these are two men that Stacy looked at them and she's like, these are not They're the type of guys my daughter well would have hung out with. Her. Like, so when she asked if Michaela had been at their house, they said, yes, Michaela had been here a couple of nights ago. She was texting and not really interacting. And they believe that whoever she was texting came to pick her up in the middle of the night. And that's the last they saw of her. That's their story. Yeah. Stacy did talk to Briley. And Briley said, yes, Michaela was there with me. I was there. I left in the middle of the night. I tried to get Michaela to leave with me, but she said she wanted to stay at the house, which is odd. She didn't know these guys. Why would she want to stay? She said the last time she heard from Michaela was on the morning of May 5th. She slept until noon and she woke up to find a text message from Michaela saying that she needed her badly and was in some kind of way. So that's the story Briley told Stacy. Yeah. Stacy went straight to the police station, as any good mom would. Right. And she filed a missing persons report. So the officer that she worked with at Washington County was Deputy William Gleason. He didn't take it very serious. She said he treated it like Michaela was a runaway. They, a lot of them always do. Because anytime a girl is under 21 or I don't know, I just feel like anytime, even adult women that have gone missing, they're just like, oh, she must have ran away. She didn't like her life and she just ran away. And that's basically Everybody's how they treated it. So that was really frustrating for the parent. Stacy started posting flyers around town just saying my daughter's missing. You know, give me a call. Deputy Gleason did go out to the... Ethan Civy and Andrew Pierce's house and he interviewed them and heard the same story from them about her leaving in the middle of the night with some unknown person. The missing person's search was done mostly by Stacy and her yeah, family. The cops, did the not cops show were up. not helping. They yeah. thought she was a runaway. They started interviewing a few people, but they were very selective with who they interviewed. And they seemed to whatever reason just take Andrew Pierce and a- Ethan Civy and They didn't even interview Briley, which is crazy. Briley was not a part of any of this. No, but I'll go into more of that in a minute. But basically, they just took their word and their word was that she ran away and she had talked all night about wanting to be a stripper in Texas. And that was their story is she called somebody to come pick her up and drive her to Texas. Yep, that night. Just like that. And the cops went with it. And so they didn't put a lot of effort into searching. Fuck that. So that's fuck up number one from the cops and a disjustice to and the family. Let me mention, they looked and scoured and walked the streets 
and knocked on doors and crawled through terrain to look for her. 15 days. Yeah. Nobody was helping. From the cops or anything else. This was just family and friends looking for Michaela in every single way that they could. Right. They also were looking for her phone because that is how you trace people nowadays. She noticed that there was a ping from Michaela's phone. Right. And that's exciting, right? When you're looking for a missing person. And it was right around the courthouse, which is odd because this is while Michaela is missing. And so Stacy and her family, friends, everyone she had enlisted to help, they go to that area and they just start searching like garbage cans, dumpsters. They assume her phone had been dumped in that area. And knocking door to door. Yeah. And they started knocking. Yeah. Because she's like, her phone's somewhere here. And this could give us the answers. She comes to find out that this is the area where Briley Brackett has a son. I should have said this earlier. Briley Brackett has a son. Right. She does not have custody. And there is a daycare or kind of like a a meeting space for parents who don't have custody of their children to have supervised visits. Right. Come to find out that is the area that Briley would come to meet with her son that she had lost custody of. And so in finding that out, Stacy then knew that Briley must have had access to or was carrying Michaela's phone. And Briley showed up unexpectedly. She was supposed to have her son the day before that and she didn't show up, which wasn't an unexpected thing from Briley because she wasn't dependable. But she showed up out of the blue at this daycare type of visitate place to come see or take her son or something like that. It caused at least for the people there, like, whoa, what is she doing? But this is also when Michaela's phone all of a sudden is pinging in this area. So Briley probably had her phone at that point. FBI, can we have some intervention here? We need somebody to get those phone records and trace it down. Yeah. Look at Briley's phone. Figure out where she was. Like, Briley has never been taken into the police station. And this is crazy to me. She's the last person. Yeah. Drug addict. Known. Right. Okay. And I've even seen videos. I'm just going to speak on my own Mm -hmm. experiences of seeing her, even just in the ones that I've seen. Sadly, her situation. You can tell just instantaneously. Her part in this is something more than that. And that's just a gut feeling for me. Why did they never question her? Why? Especially after this. Especially. Why? Because there's so much involvement between her and Michaela and other things that happened. Poor Stacy is having to take this information to the cops and be like, look at this. Look at this. Why aren't you looking at this? And they are not looking. No. And they still aren't to this day. No. Anyways, let's keep going. Scream conspiracy, maybe? Yeah. We'll we'll go into some ideas we have so 15 days after the search began Stacy got a knock at her door that no parent would ever want to get and it was from the coroner saying that they found Michaela's body she was found 20 feet off of highway m which is a major highway through that county in Missouri that day Sheriff Zachary Jacobson went on the news And told everyone, because there was a missing reports they had been, you know, showing on the news. He told everyone that they had found Michaela Jones's body and they believe she had died from an overdose. They had just found her body. No toxicology at this point had been released. There was no reason for them to make that assumption and announce it to the world that she had died from a a voluntary drug overdose at that. Right. The only person who had said anything about drugs was 
Andrew Pierce and Ethan Civy. They were using the information from the last people to see her alive and they Grown-ass were just taking them around this at their young word. girl. It's messed up. They don't even announce when a celebrity dies. It no. takes them weeks to say what caused their death. For them to go on. And then even then they might not even give that information to the public. No. And someone's going public about a young girl and right. saying, well, nope, she overdosed. Just another drug your life. And they also put out the story that she had been going to Texas with an unknown person to become a stripper. This is a story that only once again came from the last three people because Briley Brackett also told Stacy. Super good characters. Yeah. They live in a fucking crack house. And this is the people that the police choose to talk to. They don't talk to the mom. They don't talk to the family. They don't talk to the close friends. Nobody. They just come out and basically slander Michaela. Right. In a very public way and have already written her off as a druggie. So that is just unacceptable. When there's an entire town who knows of her otherwise. So let's talk about how they found Michaela's body. So there was a retired police officer. His name was Doug Hollinsworth, and he was called by Andrew Pierce, the 33, 34-year-old guy. Right. I said he was 34 earlier. I think at the time he was only 33. Doesn't matter. He's Doesn't in matter. his 30s. He's an old okay. dude. Yeah. Shouldn't be hanging okay. out with an 18-year-old. Anyways, no. Andrew Pierce had called Doug Hollingsworth because he was like a friend of the family, and he asked Doug Hollingsworth to come and meet him at the VFW near Highway M at midnight on May 20th. At that time, Pierce confessed to Doug Hollinsworth that he had dumped Michaela's body and he knew where it was. So there's some suspicion on why he called Doug and wanted to meet at midnight. And it was said in court when Ethan Civy was brought to court later, they had promised to each other that they would take this to their grave about where Michaela's body was. But Pierce was obviously feeling guilty but he was also what I read is he was afraid of the civvy family mm-hmm. because the civvy family and I don't know a ton about them but they were apparently tight with the cops and still are tight with the cops and heavily involved in drugs yes. allegedly and Andrew Pierce didn't want to rat out Ethan Civvy because he thought there would be repercussions but he was obviously feeling guilty and so he called his family friend so that they could at least go find the body and so that is how the body was found and is he because is the Andrew older gave one it. yeah so. so at this time the highway patrol opened a investigation and it was open as a homicide investigation even though they've already reported that she died of a voluntary drug overdose to the world people not talking to each other I don't know it's just a complete clusterfuck right now but the highway patrol did their investigation it didn't take them very long it's already closed which is crazy considering her cause of death is still undetermined exactly but they've closed it and I did read the 58 page report in that report they interviewed Ethan Civy and Andrew Pierce multiple times Briley Brackett was only interviewed by phone. She was never brought in, as we mentioned before. And then they also interviewed her aunt and her grandfather because they were the ones who supposedly picked her up in the middle of the night. So I have statements from all of those people. This is a public document. You can find it on Justice for Michaela's Facebook page if you are interested in reading some of these details. I'm not going to go into a ton of them because I think Read it was with a discretion. I think it was a very shoddy investigation. Yeah. Ethan Civy changed his story seven times in this investigation. That's just immediately. And they still fucking closed it. 
because he obviously is not telling the truth. Seven times is a lot of times to change your story. And that is proof enough. Ethan Sivy claims that once again, that she left in the middle of the night was one of his stories. And then he also said that he fell asleep at eight o'clock that night and that she went upstairs with Andrew Pierce. And when he woke up the next morning, she was gone. He didn't know what happened. And then at some point he says that they woke up and found her dead of an overdose. So his story's vastly different. Yes. And like I said, they closed the investigation anyways. And we'll tell you what kind of, I guess, conclusion they came to because it sucks. But I'll tell you. Anyways, so he changed his story seven times. Also, Briley Brackett, her story was that she left in the middle of the night on early May 5th. She woke up and was having an anxiety attack and she missed her mom. My goodness. This is a 24-year-old girl. She's missing her mom. And to be clear, she is at her boyfriend's house, Ethan Sivvy's house, she where always she's stays. staying all the time. Yes. She did say in the police report that she was feeling guilty because she had not been around her son. But we also know she didn't have custody of her son. So Sorry. doesn't make a lot of sense. No. She, and honestly, if she was missing her son and having anxiety and she didn't have custody, they're not going to immediately come get her and be a part of that because she lost her lost her son for a reason. Right. Most family members would probably be like, well, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you're going through this right now, but there's nothing that we can do about this. Right. So she says she missed her mom, but she doesn't call her mom. She calls her aunt. Sunny is her name, and she's, I think, like 42. Sunny and her father come to pick Briley Brackett up in the middle of the night. Now, they live about an hour away. This is the other conflicting thing because they did interview Sunny, and I can't remember the other guy's name. doesn't matter. They interviewed her and the grandfather, and they all have different times of when they came to get Briley. Of course, because it's not true. So Briley said she called. It was 2 a.m. and they came and picked her up. The aunt says it was like 3 a.m. And then the father or grandfather says like 5 a.m. So it's all over the place anyways. Which who is knows very if it's true. important if we're talking about time of death and other things. Must yes. We say. And we're going to talk about that. So they also had contradicting stories around if the aunt came into the house or if she stayed in the car. Briley says that she texted her aunt and when they pulled up, she came out and got in the car. She said that one time. And then another time she says her aunt did come into the house, but she only stayed downstairs and did not see Michaela. And Ethan Sivvy could not be awake because he was a heavy sleeper and he didn't hear or know that these people came in the house because he doesn't mention that they ever do. So that's kind of how they tried to write it off. When they Mm -hmm. interviewed the aunt on the phone, she said she came into the house. Her niece was upset and that she went upstairs and saw Michaela in bed with Andrew and Michaela was clearly impaired and she said you should come home with us and Michaela said no I want to stay here with Andrew so the aunt says she went upstairs and so then they called Briley back after they got that statement from her aunt and said are you sure your aunt didn't go upstairs and Briley's like 100% positive she what the fuck didn't come in the house One time and then the other time. Oh, yeah, maybe she did come in the house, but she definitely didn't go upstairs. And that's all in the police report. So there's contradicting information and they still fucking close this investigation without getting any of those answers. So Andrew Pierce's story was that he was kind of dating Michaela. They had just met and that's not called dating. (laughs) Sorry. They were hooking up for a night. Well, she was there for two days. She was there for two nights. That does not count. I know. That's not. So sorry. No. Andrew's story is that 
he was recovering from the death of his ex-girlfriend and he confided that in Michaela and they bonded and that she did stay over and that they did consensually have sex and that he woke up and she was gone was one of his stories which was the original story said that she left when her body was found and he had already confessed to dumping her body. He said he woke up in the morning around like 5 a.m. and he found her dead of an overdose. Next to her, next to him? Yes, in the bed. While Andrew Pierce was at the police station, they asked him to take a polygraph test, which he seemed really open to after telling his story about finding Michaela dead in his bed. But he went outside to take a smoke break. He called his dad and his dad advised him against it. So he never Mm. took that polygraph test. Interestingly enough, Andrew Pierce's sister called Sheriff Jacobson to tell him that she had heard from her father, Tom Pierce, that Andrew had confessed to his father that he was involved with Michaela's death and supposedly said he killed her. Okay. The only problem is that Tom Pierce actually passed away in late September, so they never got to interview him. Also, this one is an interesting thing as well. I just want to bring it up. Ethan Civvy was going around town and telling people that he had shot Michaela in the face. Yeah. I don't know what. What? Why? Really fucked up. Anyways. I think that that just shows you the character of who Ethan Civvy was. Yeah. And he was a known drug addict. Exactly. Everyone knew he had problems too. He thought that that was a brag that he had done this even though that's not the way that she died but to say that yeah I shot I'm a her. badass I, I shot, shot her in the her. face Whatever, that just goes dude. to show you who he is and that's who we're dealing with here yeah at least one of them so let's talk about the medical examiner let's he covers 26 counties which seems like madness I don't know how one person could do all of that he has multiple suspicious autopsies in his record he's been talked about I did not write his name down his name is Russell Dedeker Dedeker that's it so the first autopsy came back and said that Michaela died from meth intoxication when they found her remains there was no blood left and that is usually the standard to test for toxicology right They had to use muscle tissue instead, which will tell you what was in her system, but it doesn't accurately provide the levels, the levels. Right. So it'd be very hard for anyone to say that she died from from anything. Yeah. Now let's go back, though, regardless of if drugs were the reason she actually passed away, passed away or not. The cops were saying this is what she died from before to any of this testing even being done. Right. Okay. So Stacy, rightfully so, did not trust that first autopsy. Of course not. And so the family turned to another medical examiner, her name, a private one. Her name is Jane Turner. And she's helped other families in the area who have come across some suspicious findings. Well, and on top of it, they wouldn't release the first autopsy to her. No, she never saw it. For quite some time. And we'll go over that here in a second. And so they got a second autopsy done and Jane Turner found things that were not shown on the first autopsy. She found contusions on Michaela's legs and she found a skull fracture. Right. And she also found drugs in Michaela's system that had not been reported on the first autopsy. So they found amitriptyline in her system, which is not a street drug that anyone would take. It's actually something used in medical settings or by someone nefarious that wants to incapacitate well, someone. Well, that's very so that's suspicious. Super suspicious. 
They also I mean, found fentanyl in her system, which had not been reported in the first autopsy. You know, fentanyl has had such a prevalent space lately. I mean, it's all over the it's news. It's all over. You can't trust where it's from, what it's, what things are laced with, anything. But the first one you just mentioned, that's a, why is that not being looked at? I don't know. That's the whole reason we're doing this podcast. Because I know. Like, what? What the heck? Why would anybody take a drug that literally makes them incapable of doing something? They want it. They it want had it. to have been given to her. The only drugs reported by Dedeker were nicotine, amphetamine, and methamphetamine. And when the second toxicology was done, they found several other drugs in her system. So that should be a question. And then you have the skull fracture. Yeah. They can't say if that happened before or post-mortem, right. but still that should have been on the original report. If yes. He was a medical examiner doing, you know, half a yes. shit of his job Yeah, and the contusions on her legs. Right. So, so after the second autopsy, Didiker changed his mind and he mm-hmm. updated his autopsy report to then show fentanyl And he changed it from methamphetamine intoxication to undetermined. And I guess I should go back and say the second autopsy was also shown as undetermined. But the difference was that Jane Turner said that based on the contusions and the skull fracture that it should be looked into as a possible homicide, which was not something that the medical examiner said before. Right. And once again, it did say that Due to it being muscle, they couldn't say how high the levels of the drugs were in her system. So that was not able to determine if that's what killed her. But either way, it was suspicious. The first medical examiner was like, oh, no, this is meth overdose. So then he gets that report from Jane Turner and he updates his report to say undetermined. Undetermined. And let me just say that it took nine months for Stacy to get that new report and to get her death certificate. And that is way, way too That's long. That's insane. So something was up. Something was really up considering this is the dude that came to her front door and said, we found your daughter. Right. And she said that she called him and told him that she was doing a second report. And he was like, hey, you don't need to do that. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't understand. Like, right. So she did give him heads up and he seemed to take it personally. So I, I don't know much about this guy. So if I believe you've done done some research. So let's talk about this dude. Well, a lot of this came out of finding this one woman on TikTok who is really an advocate, I think, for Missouri in general. Okay. And she's like a youth pastor, but she's super passionate about uncovering or exposing just shitty fucking things happening there. Her handle on TikTok is Missouri Mom Momizzle. I think is Mamizzle. <laughs> I like. I it. could read it differently, but I think that's how it's meant to be said. There was a very specific posting. Interestingly enough, I came across. I didn't even know that it was part of this story, but I think because I had been looking at Michaela's information, it popped up for me. Okay. And I think what it does ultimately is just gives you insight into just corruptness. Something's okay? going on. Yeah. Yeah. As of this year. The morgue is operating at a deficit, and there was a meeting about this. There was a shortfall of $100,000 in compensation from more than 20 counties that send bodies to the county morgue for autopsies. Okay. So going back a little bit, in 2017, there was a woman named Dana Shah. That's first and last name, Dana Shah. Okay. Was hired to run the morgue as a morgue director. 
I'm only bringing this up because it's going to come into a little bit. So that's 2017. So as mentioned before, Russell Dittaker is the man responsible for Michaela's first autopsy. Mm-hmm. And he's a sketchy, sketchy fella. Yeah. During this TikTok video that I found of her, and please go follow her, even if you're not in Missouri, because she's exposing corruption and doing everything she can to keep children safe. She gets a lot of haters because of it. And she's even being sued by some people for like defamation and things like that because she's yeah. bringing truth to light. They don't like that. But she's only brings honestly the truth that she has coming to her from the people involved right. or things that it, that are already out there. She's just giving you a glimpse into how disgusting things are. Honestly, when I tried to go into her page today, just to kind of refresh myself with her, I'm scared for Missouri. And with the people responding, I'm scared for other people who are saying this happens in my county too. This happens in my county too. This happens in my county too. It's not just this place. It's just a glimpse to everywhere. So anyway, Russell Didiker was known to frequent her bar, Cousin Sports Bar and Grill during the day which was his work day to have drinks (laughs) Okay, while he's cutting people open. Okay. Keep that in mind. And in this video that she's talking about, she's actually holding up a piece of paper, the very slip of paper that he wrote his name and phone number on from a conversation that he had with her during this time. Okay. Stained and all, which I felt was proof of (laughs) being in a restaurant or a bar or anything like that. He offered her and another local bartender, Shirley Ventigmelia, a job doing autopsies. They're bartenders. They're bartenders. She's not even a bartender. At this time, she's a cook. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, you just look like you might know how to do an autopsy exactly. that people go to school for years to learn how to do. So in September of 2021, Dana Shuh's mother, remember the morgue director, mm-hmm. passed away. Okay. So I'm coming back to her because that same week she stepped down to become a morgue technician and Russell Didiker was put in charge of the morgue. Okay. So Russell offering this job to a cook and a bartender. Does that sound right? No. Of course like, not. Okay. Let's, uh, to let's any just make this guy. normal person in the world. No. They were offered one to $200 a body, three to five bodies a day, what? two to three days per week cash whoa neither were qualified obviously to do that work and he asked that they are okay cutting into children oh these are medical autopsies okay what and that's a lot of bodies you have to go to school for this well yeah that well that remember he does serve 20 plus counties yeah, and I whatnot right. so it does come in not everybody requires investigative type of right autopsy. some people are natural so causes etc it's just more yeah. to see what happens and with those ones you can wait a few days or whatnot but who knows where anybody was on this roster with the people he was paying under the table to do his work. Right. And where's that $100,000 deficit going to? <laughs> Bartenders and cooks? Yeah. To cut open people and write some shit down? And why did it take almost nine, nine months? months to get Michaela's first autopsy? Wow. This is insane. We need some federal level people looking into this guy. It is insane. Not only this guy, everybody involved. I'm sorry, but it's not like this guy owns. It's the, the whole morgue. county. The whole county is corrupt. The entire county is corrupt to allow this 
type of stuff to continue. And the fact that there are people within the town that are like, yeah, I'll take that job on. And he feels okay and like they're going to get away with it. That just to me goes to tell you that there is some really shoddy, sketchy things going on in these counties. And they feel that they can. For all we know, he wrote up her report the day before he had to fucking Right. We don't know. It's true. Why were they holding it for that long? That's what's odd, too. It's very odd. That's a very long time to hold it. Because they were talking to... Because according to them, it was closed. Well, to the state troopers, it's not closed for the county. His report is important. Then how can one area close her case and not another? Yeah, because the state troopers closed, but the local like county has not. Anyway, I think... I'm sorry to cut into someone's body and do an autopsy, according to him, offering to do what up to 15 a week bodies a week. Yeah. From someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Like what? He's going to give him a diagram. Yeah. It's because can you imagine your mother dying and you weren't sure how and you wanted an autopsy for her and you found out that this dude that used to cook some your random burgers. person a hundred dollars to cut open her body just to say that it was autopsied it's fucked that is so messed up the moment he's been in office the moment every case to the from the very beginning should be questioned exactly when did he start office every single case from then on out should be redone but they can't easily redo all of these of some of them, them are cremated you know it's, he needs to go to jail. It's injustice for anyone who has died under suspicious circumstances in that area. In I these 26 like, counties. To me, justice is Didiker going to jail. It's I, not brought yeah. up a lot, but the fact that he's doing that, go to jail. Why? How dare you? Why is he doing that? Is it just and about money or is, is there it just something him more? Or is there someone above him? You know him there's more. It's never just one person. Yeah. How deep does the corruption go? We will never know. Because there <sighs> are rumors in both of these counties and there are cops that have been convicted of sex crimes and drug trafficking and in my mind there is a lot of that going on in this area and if you have a coroner bot to help you write off some of those bodies it makes sense yeah once again we need the feds involved here because nobody else can can research this at the level it needs once upon a time i was a young girl (laughs) from albuquerque new mexico and I was obsessed with being a fed. But I met you one day at El Pinto. It was a restaurant. In New Mexico. <laughs> okay. I went to some FBI like convention thing. Like, cool. It was meant to like hire people. I don't know why I was a child, but I went. You just wanted to know. And some guy there, some old guy sent me stuff in the mail. Aww. And so like I would look through these books and look through these books. And I was like, how am I going to get into the FBI when I grow up? And so I decided I was going to do the Air Force. And so I signed up for the Air Force and I was ready to go and ready to go and ready. And then I met a dude and I was like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always ends. I know. That's what ends our dreams. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I don't want to be part of the government because fuck that. So yeah. things happened as they are. But if there's anybody listening who knows an FBI agent, because we're all human beings. Yes. Who wants to be involved in this. Let us Listen know. to the little girl who used to look up to you guys and come help figure out this whole fucking town and all the counties involved. Yeah. And we're going to talk about other cases. We're, of course, focused on Michaela mostly, but there's more going on in this area and it's fucking sad. Yeah, let's get into it a little bit. 
I want to go back. Thank you for giving some light to this corrupt medical examiner because he's part of the story too. The big thing that we were looking for or that the detectives were looking for was Michaela's phone. So they did recover her phone finally. After they found her body, they were able to find her phone. It had been torched, like they had tried to set it on fire, and then they had stuck it in a black sock and thrown it into a river. And they found the phone, and surprisingly, it turned on. Was it an Apple phone? I don't know. It never said if it was an iPhone. It had to have been an iPhone. Yeah. Couldn't have been Google. (laughs) Sorry, dude. (laughs) But whatever, it's like this was meant to come out, I think. That's why they found it. That is intervention. Yeah. They found there were some videos on her phone that were way out of character for Michaela to have made. Mm-hmm. They had a video of her taking a blue pill and they don't know what it was. And they think that is what may have killed her. If you, you know, go with the drug overdose, it could have been fentanyl. Sivy at one point, you know, one of his many seven stories mentioned her taking a blue pill and that it was the same blue pill that had killed Andrew Pierce's ex-girlfriend. And it's believed that that was fentanyl. And but he didn't give the story behind how she came to put the blue pill in her mouth? No. So Andrew Pierce, Michaela is not the first girl that has died oh, in I his know. presence. Yeah, right. His ex-girlfriend, who, if you remember right, in his confession or whatever, he said that he and Michaela bonded over that. And he told Michaela the story of losing his ex-girlfriend. He made it sound like it was a suicide, like she chose to take that pill. And she was depressed. And so they bonded over that supposedly. But there is suspicion around his ex-girlfriend's death as well. I just think it's interesting that Sivy would say, oh, she took the same pill that Pierce's ex-girlfriend took that killed her. And there was no stopping of that. Apparently, the way that Sivy said it, it was like laying on the floor or it was just somewhere. And she just found it and decided to pop it in okay, her mouth. Yeah, because that's what we all do. We're like, ooh, look at this thing on the floor. And let me just stick it in my mouth and swallow it. I So we have the video of her taking it. We think it was given to her. And when they recovered her phone, they actually found that she was Googling around that time what the blue pill could be. Oh, so wow. she was given that pill. She did take it on the video, but who knows what kind of mental state she was in at that point. They'd probably been feeding her other drugs at this point. So she was coherent enough to look up and be like, what did I just take? I don't know how long it takes for fentanyl to kick in. I don't know anything about those drugs, but here's my thought is that they gave her the pill and they told her it was something that it wasn't. And then she tried to look it up and she's like, I'm feeling weird. Yes. She started to not feel right. And she's like, okay, well, this is not not what I remember. What are my what symptoms are happening right now. Let me look this up. Yeah, because that's what I would do. Okay. I also want to bring up, I should have mentioned this earlier when they were changing their stories between Pierce and Ethan Sivvy, that they've been best friends for a long time. And when they got Andrew Pierce's phone, there were no text messages between him and Ethan. And when the cops asked Andrew Pierce, why are there no text messages? You guys are best friends. And Andrew said, oh, we just call. We never text each other. That's bullshit. However, there were texts (laughs) after Michaela died, like on May 8th, May 9th, something like that. And so they were like, we know you deleted this. And he said, I didn't delete anything. My phone must have just had a glitch and just deleted my messages. However, then they found Ethan Sivvy's phone and there were messages between him and Andrew Pierce, but they didn't show up on Andrew Pierce's phone. Okay. So we know they were doing some tampering Here there. There is already proof that these cops 
did fucking shit horrible to look into this because there was always proof deleted or not of text messages that have happened between numbers exactly always the other thing is briley brackett had sent a text message to her boyfriend ethan civvy that said we just need to tell the truth and we won't get in trouble and when they asked briley what that meant she had a few different answers like she didn't ever give like a clear she was like oh I was talking about something else it wasn't anything to do with Michaela but it happened around the same time so they knew she knew something and also her aunt Sunny said not that we can believe anything aunt Sunny says because she seems to have changed her story too but she did say when she picked up Briley that Briley said she had something really important to tell her but then when she got in the car and her grandfather was there she didn't want to talk about it anymore. So Sonny feels like Briley wanted to tell her something about but then Michaela. the grandfather was there and yeah. she didn't know. And then up. they never talked about it again. <sighs> Yikes. And those are all tax records that the police did put in their report. The lead detective at the time from Washington County was Stephen Ryan. Stacy was not happy with how he was running the investigation because of all these things we've brought up. Right. He's doing a shit job. Of course. Stacy let him know that, you know, because she's the poor mom is like going in and saying, I just need an update. What are y'all doing? And they're not doing shit. And at one point she just lost it. And she was like, I don't feel like y'all are helping me. And she didn't really know where to go. She tried to go up the chain. Right. This poor mom has done everything. Well, the interesting thing about Stephen Ryan is that he is known to be very good friends with Ethan Civvy's mother. Yes. It was even said, and I don't remember exactly how this came out, but Ethan Civvy's mother was contacted on May 14th, which was six days before Michaela's body was found. And Detective Ryan asked if her son knew where they hid the body. So that's telling me that on May 14th, somebody had already confessed. They knew either Ethan or Andrew had already told the cops. They already knew they were looking for a recovery, but they were letting Stacy and the family continue to scour for her, which is really messed up. It's fucked up. They didn't tell the victims anything. The accused had more information about the case and what was going on than the victim's family. And it tells me they were trying to cover something up. They were covering something up. And they're like, how do we come up with a story to there's too many people involved. We have to come up with something. Let them continue looking. So while Stacy was saying that the investigation was not going how she wanted, she did receive two videos that were sent to her by a very suspicious account on Facebook. The name was Joe Fazy or Faze. Faze. F-A-Z-E. However you want to pronounce that. Anyways, they sent the videos directly to Stacy, so they weren't posted. They were just sent to her. When she looked at the videos, it was her daughter, Michaela, saying, this is a public service announcement. I'm taking, uh, she like covers her mouth. And Mm -hmm. while she She says that, "Mm." like she didn't know what she she was going to say what the drug was, but you can hear someone in the background saying, don't say it, basically. Right. And so she covers her mouth and then she was like, I'm taking it because I like it why would she have taken a video like that? That was Stacy's question. She's like, this isn't anything like my daughter would take. And who is she making this video for? Exactly. And it was only sent to Stacy. These two videos were filmed kind of back to back. And the first part was her saying, I guess all of that together, her saying that she liked it was two videos. Um, and you can hear that she was being coached by someone in the background. Yeah, and was. you actually discovered something when listening. I did. Yeah, I was given these videos by Stacy. 
And I was, I had them in my ears. I had headphones in and as I was listening, I could hear something and I'm like, that sounds like a girl talking. And I turned it all the way up and I could hear a girl saying, I hate you. Yeah. And I listened to it as well. And, and I Stacey heard the same thing. And had not thing. heard this before. Yeah. But it took me putting my volume all the way up. Yeah. And I heard it when you said that. I Same thing. I turned it way up. And the belief is that it was Briley Brackett yeah, saying that. Yeah, there's a that. girl that was not a boy. I it Both sounded like a girl to me. And to me, both videos were Michaela mockingly, like repeating what someone had Told her coached to her to yeah, say. Exactly. It was very odd. And she looked impaired. She definitely looked impaired. Stacy's thought is that this Joe Fazy Fozzie phase. <laughs> you never say phase. Let's go it the be regular way. <laughs> that Facebook address was actually set up by Briley Brackett. Yeah. That's her belief. Here's the thing. Nobody ever looked into this. Nobody ever looked into Briley. Like who said you can't set up a Facebook all willy nilly. Like you have to have a phone number connected. Like somebody had to set this up. I've tried to set up more than one Facebook account and there's so much security on it. I'm sorry. It's not an easy thing to do. You have to provide a lot of information to support your identity. And if you can't, they immediately block you from doing so. Even if this person was able to set one up long enough to message Stacy and say everything that they said to her and deactivate it or whatnot Facebook has records of who this person was who set it up and that means personal records names so once again we need the feds involved here to help they said some horrible things to Stacy because Stacy was like they did I don't know who this is and they accused her of using Michaela's death to make money which what Stacy's made no money off of this this is she's lost money her daughter died she's spending money for work she has other children There's nothing going on there. It was so mean spirited. And I won't repeat all of the conversation. We did see it. But it's just somebody was like harassing the mother of a child that they potentially killed. Yes. It needs to be looked into. It really does. Their intention was to send these videos to say, see, look, Michaela likes drugs. Exactly. And I'm immediately I'm like, wow, no, that's not how I take it. All of that was horribly presented to her and she immediately saw that just yeah. like we did and it's sad because whoever is sending that is possibly on drugs too and they're like see she's a drug and I'm like but you're drugged sending this to her. right so there was a video released on Michaela's TikTok and it was completely opposite of anything else that she had posted to the date yeah and it was a dark video and it shows Michaela sitting on what appears to be the couch inside of the crack house I guess couch or a bed or something right and there's like some dark music playing and a tattooed hand comes up around her neck yeah obviously tatted fingers and knuckles which was Andrew Pierce Andrew Pierce and she appears to be trying to light a cigarette but she also looks impaired like she can't quite do it herself and then another hand comes up and lights it for her and it looks like a male like hand fumbles yeah and it, it's another male hand Mm-hmm. Not tatted. Civvy. Civvy. Once again, why would that video have been made? And it does not look like something she was. Who's holding the video to make it to? She wasn't exactly. probably. Maybe Briley. Briley. Um, it also came out that there were videos posted. Briley has an OnlyFans account. Yeah. 
and there were supposedly some videos posted and I don't know what kind of content was on them because they were taken down quickly, but some kind of video with Michaela involved. So that's really scary. Yeah, it is. And once again, that information should be out there and somebody should be able to go and get that at a federal level, but nobody's done anything. No. In the sheriff's report, one of the investigators did go on Briley Brackett's OnlyFans, but he said there was no videos with Michaela involved, of course, because they took them down. There's always a record somewhere. Find it. Especially of that kind of personal nature. Right. Did she sign something to say yes? I'm not sure how that works. And the way I read is the sheriff just went in and looked at her only a fan's account like a subscriber, not from a investigative way, yeah. if that makes sense. Okay. So that's not the only video. The phone had been recovered, as I mentioned, and it was in police custody at this point. While in police custody, Stacy's 13-year-old daughter came to her crying one day and said that there was a very private video from Michaela's phone that had been posted on Snapchat for all of her 400 followers to see. I don't know what was in the video, but it sounds like something that definitely shouldn't have been out there for everyone to see. And this was after her death. After her death. And Stacy went, rightfully so, into the police department and was like, what the hell? And the lead detective, Stephen Ryan, was like, oh, sorry, we were just going through her phone. It must have been an accident. They were keeping her phone in his desk. It was in his desk drawer, which is suspicious too. That's fucking suspicious. Stephen Ryan, to this day, still works there, even after a fumble this big. And it's huge. He released very personal information from a a deceased 18-year-old. That video was not in good light. It was in the exact same time that it was released. It was between the question of, oh, well, she overdosed, like, let her go. They wanted to use that to prove that she was a druggie who wanted to be a stripper. They were trying to defame her. And it was very, it almost seemed as a retaliation because it coincided with Stacy approaching him after saying, hey, you're not doing a good job. And that Mm -hmm. happened within the same 24 hours that that video went out. I don't believe that. And he's still in the case. It's just... And I don't believe that that was an accident. You can't accidentally fucking post a Snapchat. No, Snapchat takes a while to get posted. And they said even if, if that Snapchat had been on her phone, like ready to go, it would have posted the day that they turned the phone on. That means somebody was looking through her personal videos and they chose to post that. I don't believe it was an accident. I find accident. it very creepy that it was just in some dude's desk and not in evidence. Right. So another question to the corrupt behavior of this precinct so during this time Stacy's pushing and she's going in and she's talking to the sheriff Jacobson and he's blaming the prosecutor then saying well the only reason we haven't brought charges is because the prosecutor hasn't brought them then she would go talk to the prosecutor and he would say oh well we're waiting for this from Sheriff Jacobson so it was just like this back and forth she couldn't get anywhere they were doing nothing and then Josh got taken off the case and it got sent to another prosecutor I didn't get her name, just a female prosecutor. She took the case and she did nothing with it for five months. It just sat on her case. Nothing moved forward. And then all of a sudden, she just recused herself for conflict of interest. But nobody knows why. (sighs) Who got to her? Because it's a small fucking town and everybody's in cahoots with each other. Exactly. Then the case went up to the attorney general. When it got to the attorney general, Kelly Snyder and George Langford, 
Stacy went in and said, I don't think the full investigation has been done before you bring charges. We need to open another investigation. They didn't want to hear it. They were just like, you know what? We've already got the conclusion from the state troopers and we're just going to go with it. And this is what they decided to charge Ethan Civy and Andrew Pierce with. They said what they believe happened is that these two brought Michaela to their house. She took drugs voluntarily and overdosed. Ethan and Andrew panicked and did not take her, did not call 911, did not take her to the hospital, any of that. Now, here's the thing. In Missouri, there's something called the Good Samaritan Law, Mm -hmm. where if you are in the presence of someone overdosing, you can take them to get medical treatment and no questions will be asked and no charges will be filed against you. So they would have had no reason if that's what truly happened. Nothing would have, they wouldn't have looked into them. And interestingly enough, they had another guy who overdosed with them at their house and yeah. they drove him to the ER. They didn't really take him in a nice way. They, they, they just didn't. dumped him outside so the ER. The story of this guy, because I know a little bit more about it, is that he was with Civi and Riley Brackett and he overdosed and they tried to call someone to say, hey, can we come pick up some Narcan? And they're like, oh. no, you can't do that. Please bring him to the hospital. Okay. They didn't. They instead tried to counteract it with other drugs. I think it was heroin or something. And he essentially comed out and they put him in a bath of ice and it wasn't working. Oh, no. And so they finally did drive him to the hospital and they did dump him in front of the hospital. He was in a coma. Yeah. For quite a while. And he had a traumatic brain injury and still does to this day, from what I understand. He's still recovering. He's alive. He's alive. And he actually does have some clarity on some things. And he's spoken with Stacy too and can recount his experience with them. Right. But that was how they treated whoever was with them. They're like, oh, no, we'll just bring him back instead of immediately taking him to go get help. Right. Instead, they shot him up with more, more drugs. Right, because that's going to fix it. <laughs> that's where I get really frustrated, and I know Stacy is, because the attorney general was just like, these guys, you know, they just freaked out when she overdosed, and they were cowards, but that's all. They weren't doing anything, like, nefarious. They weren't the ones okay, that this did this, and this bothers me. Time Someone has overdose, died. Yeah, or apparently. Overdosed. Okay. Yep. Once, I'm flipping her off right now, because that's my first <laughs> finger. Once with... Pierce's girlfriend. Yep. Actually, that should be second because I'm pretty sure the Civi and Briley was way before, before that. Yeah. And then Michaela. And Michaela. So that's three. And they're not questioning and this. No. That's Why? a habit. Okay. Right? Sorry. So what they were charged with by the attorney general was abandonment of a corpse and hindering How investigation. How about we say abandonment of a person? Right. I don't like that it's labeled abandonment of a corpse. Well, it has a lesser charge if they make it sound like she had already died and it was not their fault. It's not That's like why they, they just, did the corpse. It's not like they just came upon a dead body and didn't report it. They moved a dead person who had died somewhere else and literally kept it to themselves. This yeah. is not the same thing. It's not, but it has a lesser charge and I think that's why they gave it to them. So they got abandonment of a corpse and hindering investigation. Now, this was only given to Ethan Civy and Andrew Pierce. Briley Brackett got no charges. I don't understand how she's not involved. I really don't. So Stacy even said she's like, even if Briley wasn't part of the, you know, moving 
Michaela's dead body, she should have gotten at least hindering investigation. It's very clear she lied many times to the investigators yeah. if you look at her and and they did nothing. So that's also part of this plea is like Briley needs to be looked at because she was involved. She at I don't least believe need to be looked at because to me she's a, a big question. She's the mark whole reason here. that Michaela was even there. She's the whole reason that Michaela is even involved in this situation. And I want to bring up I haven't brought this up yet. Briley, whenever she met up with Michaela, they were in Briley's vehicle. Mm-hmm. They were driving. And for whatever reason, Michaela was driving. I don't understand why, but they got into a one car accident. And the same state troopers that did this shoddy ass report were the <laughs> ones that responded to them. And when they showed up, they said that the girls were impaired in some way, don't know on what, but they didn't find any drugs or anything in the car. So they didn't hold them. And here's also the weird thing is that in the report, it says there were two men in the back of the car Hmm, with them. Wonder who. But at other times in the same fucking report, it says that they told the two girls that they would let them go home if they called someone to come pick them up. And so the story that Briley, Ethan and Andrew all say is that Civi was the one that came and picked them up. But what in the but one report it the says there were two guys him. so that one's really weird too it's like really weird and I don't I can't explain that no I can tell you what I think actually happened but that is also part of this okay so let's keep going I, I in this shit if show. you haven't noticed this is kind of like becoming our one true goal here is to bring other people outside of the jurisdiction of all of these little counties intertwining with each other that someone above them can come in and investigate a little bit yeah Because regardless if it's some or all, something really bad is going on here and people are being hurt. Bad information is being spread. False information is being let out to families and people who know different. Yeah. You know, people who know otherwise and it needs to stop and people are going missing. The abandonment of a corpse and hindering investigation were the charges brought up. Ethan Civi pled guilty He took a plea agreement that would put him in prison for eight years on the agreement that he would testify against Andrew Pierce when Pierce came up for trial in June. Andrew Pierce was offered a similar plea deal and he chose not to take it. He said he wanted to go to jury trial. So Ethan Civi was finally convicted and given the eight years in October of 2022. Andrew Pierce was set to have his court date on June 21st of 2023. Once again, Briley had no charges. She's just out doing her thing. Ethan Civi did go in to prison. He is already up for parole. It's coming up in August. Mm-hmm. Stacy got a letter that he was coming up for his first parole hearing. Will Eight he get years. out? Hopefully not. But like, it hasn't how? even been a year. Hasn't even been a year. Hasn't even been a year. It'll have been and like what, nine or 10 months at that point. Right. What? Because abandonment of a corpse and hindering investigation doesn't sound that bad. Okay, now I feel like I really need to go advocate for this abandonment of a corpse. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a bullshit charge. That is a bullshit charge. I'm not just saying bullshit charge. Even if they found her dead and they did not report it and they went to go put her somewhere, the way that that is being presented is so incorrect And the morality attached to that is so wrong. Yeah. It needs to be fixed. So Andrew Pierce was actually arrested the week of May 23rd, 
2023. So a month before he was supposed to go to trial, he got brought in for some other kind of drug possession. I'm not real sure what he got brought in for. He was supposed to have. Oh, let me also bring up that he's been running drugs. around for two years, you know, doing whatever he wants right. to do. They're obviously gonna, still they're doing obviously, drugs. Yeah. Hopefully it's the good people who are like, we're going to bring him in on something because that's when you know that there is a good person involved. Maybe. I hope that they will find one thing to bring them in on and keep them there so they can charge them on something else. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Maybe it's a bad guy bringing him in on a lesser charge to put him in jail for a few months and then he can miss the trial. So it seems like civvy. That seems to me probably more likely if they brought him in early for a reason. I wanted to bring up the fact that they have moved his trial out of the county because they said that there were too many, I guess, hostile, whatever the word is, where they can't find people who would be unbiased. So they moved him to another county for his trial. And Stacy, as the victim's mother, said no, but the victims don't have rights. Only the prosecutor can choose to move the counties. So I think that's something that's messed up with our justice system. Can't fix that, but it is what it is. So he went in for his trial and there was an upset in the court. And now the judge that was supposed to take that case has recused herself, which is odd. Nobody knows why. And so now the case is on hold again, could go all the way up to the Missouri Supreme Court. So we don't know what's going on with Andrew Pierce. Hopefully we'll have an update for you guys on a future episode. It's so odd. But that keeps the investigation open. And it it does. Even when I began looking down this road with Michaela and when we were actually able to dive into it, so much has changed. I feel like we're going to keep coming back here. We are. We're going to tell our story as long as we can. Until she gets justice. We're just going to bring up everything. Yes. Every time that we know. Now, I want to go into, I've gone through all of the facts that we know as of today. I do want to bring up one thing, and this might be a sensitive topic, but Stacy did bring it up on a recent podcast, so I know she's aware of this. So Steve Ryan called Stacy, and they had done a search on Michaela's web history and it looked like about three months before her death, she had been looking for and potentially using Xanax. I don't mean to minimize the drug Xanax, but I will tell you that this is not something that's uncommon right now right. for yes. younger uh, kids to take. It, it has become a party drug. It's something that it's easy for kids to get a hold of because perhaps their parents have it. Yeah. Xanax is like something take, people take to relieve high anxiety, to help yeah. them sleep. So what if she was taking Xanax? Honestly, every time I look at Michaela, think of Michaela, I'm just like, you know, I haven't done a bunch of drugs, but I'm looking at her and I'm like, she was experimenting. She was 18. She's 18. Yeah. She had been like a seriously okay, good girl, beautiful girl right. up to that point, just doing everything she needed to do. And I'm I'm like, okay, go so experiment. What? Who fucking cares? I never and saw anything different about her than I was at that age. And I would say the same. And her mom you know, once again, it felt like they were bringing this information to her to try and say your daughter was a bad person. And she basically said, I don't care. I wouldn't miss her even any less if she was doing drugs. I, I just want answers of what happened to my daughter. And I don't feel like I have those today. And that's what she's looking for. And, and maybe, you know, she wasn't a perfect angel. No one is. And her mom is not saying she was perfect in any way and that she didn't do anything. So who gives a fuck if she did some Xanax? I'm bringing this up because I want to say what I think happened. And I haven't reviewed this with Stacy, but this is just my thought after reading the 58 page report and thinking, like you said, of myself at that age. Right. Here's what I think happened. And you can. Yeah. 
I'm going to join Agreed. you or not be advocate. So here's my thought. Briley was known as the drug source mm-hmm. and, and Michaela had been looking online for Xanax and perhaps she hadn't found it. Or she just knew she was a source. And she was at home. All of her friends had left for a trip. So Michaela's yeah. at home. She's bored. Maybe she wants to do a little Xanax in her room alone because she likes how it feels. Mm-hmm. Totally normal teenage behavior. Briley was hanging out with Ethan and Andrew Pierce. And they came and picked her up in the middle of the night. She snuck out of her house and left with them. What happened after that, we don't know. But I think she thought she was getting Xanax potentially. But it was laced with something. Because they know that those pressed pills that Xanax can be, a lot of those nowadays, it's coming out in reports that there's fentanyl laced even. They lured her to hang out with them. And then and I don't know what their intentions were. Around, like, she had no one. And no she was stuck was in a car with them. At that point, they had the control car. Yeah. And then I think she ended up at their house. They made videos with her. I think she was probably coerced. I think she was just continuously drugged after that. Possibly. I do do have information that Briley did not like Michaela because she did find out about conversations between Michaela and her brother's fiance, who used to be best friends of Michaela. Okay. It wasn't kind conversations, allegedly. So there is some... Some odd egregiances towards Michaela from Briley that could be taken into consideration here. It wasn't a good situation. It was an older girl who knows how often she is incapacitated. Right. Who took her with two older men to a house that was not for young women. No. She was drug. Obviously, Michaela did not have the money to be like, yeah, drug me up 24-7. Right. Okay. This was a continuous drugging situation because Michaela was not dead that day. No, she stayed there for two nights. She was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what were they doing to her? Nobody what knows. Were they doing we to we her? have a few Nobody videos. Knows. We have videos okay. that we were Kendra and I can make speculation all day, all day <laughs> long, based on our experiences as teenagers. Yeah. Being with older men, being at parties, being whatever, we can make speculations all day long. But the fact is, is she's gone. Whether it was drugs, she would not have welcomed drugs that were going to kill her. No, okay. nobody is signing up for that. Okay. She may have taken something, but no matter what happened in that house, I don't care how you look at it. It was not consensual because no. she was not of right mind to make. And the decision. there were yep. men way older than her. So even though they're like, well, yeah, we had we might have done this and we did this. I'm sorry, but if she's drugged, that's not of right mind. No. And she was young. And if it was with Pierce, we're talking about an age difference. 15 years. 15 years. years. Literally yeah. almost her entire life. More needs to be looked into this. Yes. Okay. And well now we have information about this screwed up medical examiner office and all the other county. We know so much more, actually, that we're not saying there is speculation and allegations that it's being run as far up as the sheriff of Washington County running drugs. Yeah. There's talk of sex trafficking, which Michaela was a beautiful 18 year old girl. Is that what they were looking for? Maybe, maybe they wanted to take her and sex traffic her and they gave her drugs to incapacitate her while they got her there. And she died. Mentioned the drug that incapacitates and we did not have her full 
body to test for needle marks. Right, right. For all we know that she was incapacitated, drugged up. It was supposed to be the whole thing because that's how people are taken and sex trafficked is they're drugged so up that you can just like move them around. And she overdosed. She's so tiny. She was. It, it wouldn't just, have taken it, much it just, at all. It wouldn't have taken much at all. And they weren't able to find that because those parts of her body were no longer able to show needle marks. And I think about the Jeffrey Epstein case. Yes. And he always had a woman to lure exactly. these girls in. And I think potentially Briley Brackett is that exactly. girl that lures these girls in. So once again, we can speculate all day. And the whole thing we want to bring to in this episode is there is so much more to look into and we need somebody to do a proper investigation yes, we and do. find out what happened and get the justice for Michaela and her family. And that is at the end of the day, what we are hoping to do here. Yes. And not only Michaela, but so many other families in this jurisdiction that has a lot of other issues going on. And since this episode has gone a lot longer than I thought it would, we're not going to go into the other cases today, but I will bring them up potentially on a future lab reports. We'll go into, there's two other cases that I have a lot of information on, but you want to keep the focus on Michaela. This was a beautiful, bright, vibrant girl. She was finding her way and and her life was snuffed out. From what having an experience with someone she didn't even hang out with. I think about the things I did at that age and the decisions and the people I went out with. And I could have been in the same position. I could have ended up exactly how Michaela did. And it's every parent's worst nightmare. And Stacy's living that 50 times. Stacy's living this parent's nightmare and nobody is helping her get to the bottom of it. And she's being harassed by other people in town. She's being told that she's just a crazy grieving mother and that she needs to accept that her daughter was a druggie. No, she doesn't because she knows her daughter. And she knows that that is not the truth. And we need to figure out what the truth is. To me, and we shouldn't even be defining each other in this way. To me, a druggie is someone who has to have something every second of every day, cannot live without it, cannot function without it. That was not Michaela. Not in any way. So, no. She was a beautiful girl who was doing normal, everyday stuff, having fun, just trying to experience things working, being with her family. So we just want to point you to Justice for Michaela Jones on Facebook or TikTok. This is where you can find out all the information. You can connect with those who are trying to help her. If there's anything you know or anything that you can help. I was telling Stacy, this is a story that needs to get onto Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know how we do that because I know that they help countless Do you know anybody? Anybody listening? Yeah. So we're just here to be that voice to help bring this story out there and obviously we have connected with Stacy we've connected with Jade and we We will connect with more too but we felt like we we really had to come out and talk about her now we had waited long enough yes because it's always going to be an ongoing story and and an unfolding information of the different parties involved and everything right we want to be a place that we can bring any story to light and especially these have a special spot in our hearts if we can help yeah with a family who is not getting the help that they need exactly like Jessica mentioned in the beginning we had a different vision for lab reports and we will get there with the listener stories but we felt Something pulling us towards this case and and bringing this story of Michaela to a broader audience. And we're happy to do this and we would be honored to do this for anyone else. So thank you for joining us for our first lab reports. 
I feel like lab reports will ultimately be more fun relating your stories and yes. something that's paranormal or true crime. But this was a real one and we needed to do it. Yes. And what's really hard for me is I feel like I do know Michaela. I've looked at her enough. I know. Listen to her enough. Yeah. And I'll never meet her. It's sad. It breaks my heart. So please, when you listen to the story, have an open heart. And we are going to come to you about more of this area. Yes. There is nothing to show exactly what happened to Michaela. And all of what happened to her was hidden. And it was lied about. And nothing happened after that to give her family and anyone she knows confidence in how this came to be. We will be back next week with a regular scheduled episode. Of course we will. And if you have anything, please, please, our email, as always, is lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com stories or any information for anything. If you want to contact us about Michaela or a story in your area, send it in. And we're on every platform. Yep. We're out there. Find us. Subscribe, follow, rate, review please lucid lab podcast and that goes the same for socials and you can mail us at i'm gonna say it this week can i say it kendra's gonna say our p.o box if you want to send us snail mail it's at p.o box 251 east lake colorado i don't know the zip 80614 and we are on patreon check it out you know just be our friends thank you again Thank you all. Justice for Michaela Jones. Help her family find the answers. That's all we want. Yep. Bye. Goodbye, y'all.